Well, a very warm welcome once again to Moments of Grace here at Grace Church Cathedral. Uh, this time, once again, you get me, Father Bryce, and you have Father Rob today as well. Greetings, everyone. So today, we're just going to have a little bit of a conversation back and forth around what happens at this time of year, and there is so much remembering at this time true. of year. We've got all saints and faithful departed or all souls, however we want to label that. And if we look at any of our calendars, then uh, November is a time of remembering over and over again. We have Veterans, Day. Veterans Day. We have so many saints in the calendar in November. Actually, almost every month is probably more than half of the days um, have somebody for somebody us to remember. Yes. So I just want to kind of start there with that question, with that thought. And that is, why do we, um, as Christians, in the Christian church, within our calendar, why do we do so much remembering of people who either have been faithful and died many, many years ago, whom we've never met in the flesh, but also the remembering that we do with those um, of whom we love but see no longer? And I'm going to throw that to you just for some thoughts. You can take either of those or just take it as a big, uh, big lumping it together. Of course. So I think that one of the the places that my mind tends to go whenever we talk about the idea of remembering uh, those who have gone before, especially when it comes to the saints, is, well, I'm a church historian sort of by nature. That's one of my interests. And you can see in St. Paul's letters, he talks a lot about remembering communities or remembering community members. And he wants to be remembered to the churches that he's writing to. And that idea that we call to mind um, members of, of our community when they are absent, if they are separated from us by time, um, if they're separated from us by space, if they're separated from us by death, however you look at it, the idea that we're supposed to call each other to mind as if we are all part of one community that transcends time, transcends space, transcends even death, that's something that has been at the heart of the Christian community from the very beginning. And so when I, when I think of, especially the Feast of All Saints, this idea that we are remembering or, or bringing back into the community, bringing back to mind uh, those who in the past have been faithful, those who in the past have helped to point us the way to faith in Christ, that that is rightfully reintegrating them into our midst and, and calling them to mind is a helpful way of saying, you know, we're not just in this faith business uh, on our own or in just our own time, that it's something we are taking our place in a much larger community, in a much larger family that has been around for a very long time. So. So, so on a certain level, um, at least creedally, I suppose one could say, this, mm -hmm. this is kind of the apostolic nature of the church that goes throughout time. Um, yes. Whereas the Catholic nature of the church is the universal nature of the church mm -hmm. here in time. The apostolic mm -hmm. essence is throughout time. Throughout so time. Yeah. on one certain level, it is um, re-enlivening those people who have done what we're trying to do in an exemplary kind of way. Yes, I think so. So a perfect example for those of you who are members of Grace Church Cathedral, you could probably look around and see some of the memorials to people. Uh, one of my favorites, there's a stained glass window. Uh, if you enter the church from, from the doors off of Wentworth Street and you make your way about halfway down and look to the left, one of the stained glass windows is dedicated to Vannis Talmadge. Who in the world is Vannis Talmadge? Well, 
I don't know exactly who Vannis Talmadge was, but I do know lived in the 19th century, so the 1800s, and he was a faithful member of this congregation to whom a stained glass window was dedicated. And so I am literally standing on that person's shoulders, on the shoulders of those who have gone before in faith. And that helps me to understand that, you know, I have inherited some, you know, to some degree, the faith that the Talmages had and that I'm, you know, that faith was passed down to me. You could call that sort of the apostolic tradition because they were faithful and they handed on the faith to others and it's eventually reached me. So it's kind of this, you know, relay race, if you will. Um, and that's part of the importance of our remembering as well, and that is, uh, to a certain level, never stop putting memorials into our churches. I know in certain places that I've been, they've thought, well, no, we shouldn't do that anymore. It doesn't need to be done anymore. And it occurred to me, well, but we walk around and we look around right now and we read these names. We may or may not know exactly who they are, but they, but they do connect us to our past by the fact that they are there. And if we stop doing that, 50 or 60 years from now, somebody's going to come into the church and say, well, clearly not much happened during those times That's because right. there's nobody of no record. No one is, is recognized as, as having made an impact or no one is yeah. recognized as, as caring enough to, to leave a memorial. Yeah. So it's a little bit like a photo book like that or mm -hmm. a, you know, a history book to a sense that one isn't necessarily turning the pages, but one is looking and learning and receiving. Mm -hmm. That's actually a really good analogy to the idea of a picture book because when we're, when we're looking at old photo albums, um, I know we don't really look at photo albums anymore. That's gone the way of the dinosaur. But if you're looking back through old pictures of family members, there is a sense in which you are bringing those family members into the present. It's you're remembering them, that they are actually still members of, of the family that in some sense it's still living, it's still going, it's still a, a, a living and breathing tradition. Um, so you're, you're not just kind of engaged in an exercise of, of nostalgia, you're actually engaged in an exercise of recognition of life. Yeah. I think it's pretty cool. And uh, I can say photo albums can be dangerous. My children uh -oh. went um, back home this summer to visit my, my parents, their grandparents, and uh, my daughter used her phone to take a whole bunch of, well, some embarrassing pictures of me from when I was much younger, one of them became her, uh, her wallpaper on her phone, one that I may not want shared with many people. But photo albums, uh, even kids, I think, you know, if they get to see the old dusty photo albums, they kind of get it. Um, but there is that ability that we have of looking and seeing a face and being able almost to go back mm -hmm. to when that happened and who that person was. I'm, I'm reminded of just a little uh, quote that I use so often um, at certain times, and it's from a book by Cormac McCarthy called The Crossing. Mm -hmm. And in a little teeny part of it, he has this gravedigger who sits and consoles um, somebody who has lost somebody. And part of his advice is to say this, faces fade, voices dim, seize them back, speak with them, call their names, do this, and do not let sorrow die, for it is the sweetening of every gift. And just that idea that in the act of remembering either by looking at a photo or just bringing that person to mind, we in some kind of way keep them alive and keep them alive with us. Mm -hmm. um, which, of course, then we can't help but think of the movie Coco, right? Which we're not gonna, me. Yeah, I was going to say, we're not going to sing that song, but it's all about that, isn't it? The power of remembering yeah. um, and the power of, 
um, in, very much in that movie, to keep a person alive, to keep them alive in their lives, like which that. is a beautiful thing. I like that. I like that. So, so we remember. We remember, so we remember to keep our examples alive. We remember to be inspired by them. And on another level, we remember in order to keep those whom we love the most yet see no longer alive in our lives, present. Present with us. Absolutely. So. All right. Well, with that, let's go to a musical interlude, and we will be back very shortly for some more reflections on All Saints and Remembering. A Grief Observed, C.S. Lewis wrestles with the loss of his wife and how he copes and deals with that, and especially as he lives with the memories that he has of her as well. And so at one point he writes, then comes a sudden jab of red-hot memory, and all this common sense vanishes like an ant in the mouth of a furnace. On the rebound, one passes into tears and pathos, maudlin tears, I almost prefer the moments of agony, he says. These are at least clean and honest. But the bath of self-pity, the wallow, the loathsome, sticky, sweet pleasure of indulging it, will that disgust me? And he goes on to say, even while I'm doing it, I know it leads me to misrepresent H herself. Give that mood its head, and in a few minutes, I shall have substituted for the real woman a mere doll to be blubbered over. Thank God the memory of her is still too strong. Will it always be strong? to let me get away with it. Well, I think something kind of deep there on C.S. Lewis as we're thinking about remembering and what we remember and how we remember and what it does in our life, that mm -hmm. kind of fear of our memories, especially of our loved ones, fading away. And I suppose how we cope and deal with that. I mean, I suppose we could just cope and deal with it by doing a whole lot of remembering and never let it fade. There is that, yes. But how good are our memories and how will we, how will, will we begin to distort them? after a while, and what time. that might mean for our memories as well. So he goes on to say, Already less than a month after her death, I can feel the slow, insidious beginning of a process that will make the H, his departed wife, I think of into a more and more imaginary woman. But does it matter, I wonder? Does it matter how true our memories are of someone mm -hmm. to keeping them alive in our lives and to continuing to cope and to live with them? Mm -hmm. Well, I guess that's sort of the, this. This gets a little 
down into the weeds of, of philosophical speculation. Um, but I would think the, the, what we are doing when we remember is not necessarily preserving just a recollection uh, that's dependent upon you know, what's going on in our brains, but we're actually recognizing the reality of what once was. You, know, you, can't, you can't deny the fact that uh, C.S. Lewis couldn't deny the fact that his wife existed. And so when he's remembering her, he's acknowledging the fact that she also existed. Yeah. And that in, to God, she is very much alive. So that's, that's a reminder to us that even our lives, because so much of what we live through, so much of what we experience um, or understand about the world is probably illusory. But that doesn't change the fact that we exist. It doesn't change the fact that God is holding us in being. Right. And to some degree, all life, all our life and all the lives of those who have, uh, we love but see no longer, are held in the mind of God, or held in, in the power of God to sustain all things and hold them in being. Yeah. And, so. you know, one, of, one part of our remembering is the fact that is we very much firmly believe that death is not the end. Yes. And so we are remembering people who have indeed passed into something through death, mm-hmm. but um, we very much believe in a sense of their continuing mm-hmm. to be alive in a certain way and, and also a reuniting with them, mm-hmm. um, which almost got me singing that song, Reuniting, which I will not do. Um, <laughs> reunited. And so I used well, to isn't say... Isn't that the, uh, yeah. the, 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 the preface... For the Eucharist, for um, memorial Eucharists, is to the faithful, O Lord, life is changed, but not ended. For when our mortal bodies lie in death, there is prepared for us a dwelling place eternal in the heavens. I was about to look it up in the Book of Common Prayer, but I forgot Robbie was in the room and knew it by heart. Absolutely! Changed, <laughs> but not ended. Um, very Pauline in that sense. Yes. Changed yes. and not ended. We will all be transformed. I used to say in funeral sermons, um, living... With the past, not in the past, living with the past in the present with hope for the future. Um, Because I think if we live in the past too much, well, we're going to get stuck. But there can be no denying the past as well. Um, And trying to run away from it simply means it will probably follow us all that much more closely. Um, But living with it, never denying it, taking it with us, but, um, but doing so in the presence, in the present, um, and hopefully with hope for the future, um, maybe with what that person has done for us, but especially as we mm-hmm. witness God through their life and indeed through their death and this separation that we feel mm-hmm. in the here and now. Well, and I would think also if what we're doing when we're remembering those we love but see no longer is we're also allowing that which we loved about them to take more root in our own lives. So, you know, if there's, if I'm, particularly missing, say, my father, uh, and am remembering some of the things that, that he did and that he uh, you know, is in my mind because of, uh, it's, it spurs me on to want to imitate that, you know, to be a better person, to be a better father myself, to um, be much more engaged in my community, all the sort of things that, that I remember positively about who he was and, and what he meant, not just in my life, but in the life of his local community. Um, what I'm doing when I'm remembering him is just sort of reinforcing this idea that oh, those qualities still live on. 
right. those qualities are still things that I can do too. And so it is, a, you know, helping me to pick up my own banner and march it forward. Which, so. which must be one of the more healthy aspects of remembering. And that comes back to what so. we spoke about in the first segment, and that is inspiration. Mm -hmm. Inspiration to be better than what we are right now. And of course, we typically boil down a person's life at some point, be it either the tribute, memorial, sermon, or our memories, into the good stuff. The Thank good God stuff. for yes. the good stuff. Yes. Not to say that we forget the bad stuff, but there's almost something about us at a certain point that we almost want to forget some of the hurts and the bad stuff because, well, let's say it's just our better nature to distill... Selective memory is a very powerful thing. Distill that out and let's, let's hold on to the good because that's actually going to carry us forward and not the bad. Mm -hmm. Not the bad. I just want a quick reflection as C.S. Yes. Lewis continued to struggle ah. and what he said. Okay. And what he said on that. He says, looking back, I see that only a very little time ago, I was greatly concerned about my memory of H and how false it might become. For some reason, the merciful good sense of God is the only one I can think of. For some reason, I have stopped bothering about that. And the remarkable thing is that since I stopped bothering about it, she seems to meet me everywhere. Everywhere. Which is fascinating, I isn't yes. it? Yeah. Maybe once we let go of those hard contours mm -hmm. of who somebody was, maybe it is distilling that down to the universal good characteristics and traits that they exemplified that we then begin to see them everywhere mm -hmm. instead of just in small blips. Yeah. I like that too. That's a fun idea. Yeah. Good for thought on that. Good for thought on that. Well, let's have we next? one more musical interlude, yep. and then okay. we'll come back for our final thoughts on this subject. Superb. Here's to the ones that we got. Cheers to the wish you were here, but you're not. Cause the dreams bring back all the memories of everything we've been through. Toast to the ones that are there Toast to the ones that we lost on the way Cause the dreams bring back all the memories And the memories bring back memories Bring back your There's a time that I remember When I did not know no pain When I believed in forever And everything would stay the same Now my heart feel like December When somebody say your day Cause I can't reach out to call you But I know I will one day yeah. Everybody hurts sometimes Everybody hurts someday yeah, yeah. But everything gon' be alright Gonna raise a glass and say yeah. Cheers to the ones that we got Cheers to the wish you were here But you're not cause the dreams bring back All the memories of everything we've been through Toast to the ones here today Toast to the ones that we lost on the way Cause the dreams bring back all the memories And the memories bring back memories Bring back your Now this is a reflection that the Dean recently shared with me. If you have been to a college football game, you may have noticed that there is as much going on in the stands as there is on the field. The players are falling in the mud, fumbling the ball, or making a long touchdown run. The people in the stands are often standing and shouting and yelling, 
old champions who used to play for the school come back to see the games. You may never have thought of going to church as being like a team huddle in the midst of a football game, but it is. All of us who worship together are on the same team. Even though the field we play on is so big, we don't see each other very often. We run our plays in the home, at the office, in school, and we try to score. Going to church is like time out to organize ourselves for the next play. We go into the huddle around the altar. Now the teammates present are not just those we can see. We believe in the communion of saints, which reminds us that there is a whole grandstand full of grads cheering us on. Peter is there, cheering on the cowards. David and Moses are there, cheering on the politicians. Francis is there, urging us to find God in simple things. Cranmer, Latimer, and Ridley are there, telling us not to be afraid to take a stand. And there are lots more in the stands yelling for us. Your Uncle George, your grandmother, your friends you went to school with, a son, a daughter. All of these people are telling us they are sure we will make it that they are with us, that they are counting on us. Pick yourself up and try again, they say. You'll make it. You'll make it. Do you hear them? They are cheering for you. I just love that. It reminds me of something that a seminary professor uh, said, um, how he pastorally cared for a young couple who lost a child when he was in the parish and through all of his, what can I say? What can I say? What can I say? He landed in a very similar way mm-hmm. on the Eucharist. And he simply said, I don't know if this will help you or not, but we say every week before the Eucharist with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we laud to magnify your glorious name. everywhere, praising you and singing. Mm-hmm. And he said, if it may help you or not, but as you come up and receive the Eucharist, know that your departed daughter is there with you as we sing and say every Sunday. I think it did help them, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all, of course, an individual bit of faith, which what resonates with us and what doesn't. Um, but being surrounded by the communion of saints is a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the scene in Harry Potter... Uh, Towards the end there, when all of a sudden uh, his yes, parents, the reappear, parents reappear, and all of, yes, and they speak the language that we've always mm-hmm. been here with you. It's just that you can see us now, mm-hmm. at this moment, surrounded by those great helpers and presence in our lives. I had a very close friend, mentor, um, who was a priest, and he was celebrating the Eucharist, and this was the day after his uh, mentor had died. He got in word of it just that morning, and he was celebrating the Eucharist and got to that very point, surrounded by angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, and his voice just caught, and it was almost as if he, he realized at that moment, oh my God, yes, that's true. And it almost sounded like he was uh, delightfully surprised that actually his mentor um, had joined that company of angels and archangels and was present there in that church at that moment, at that celebration. Um, and just that, that is a, I don't know if that's a comforting idea or, or a comfortable idea, but I, I find it one that 
spurs me on. Well, and this is the things that we're talking about are the times when the things that we say mm-hmm. actually either truly sink in and become something that we experience mm-hmm. or they don't. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the crucible of actually living with the loss of one whom you loved so much that was so close. Well, all the words we say every Sunday, and we mean them, of course we mean them, mm-hmm. but these are the times where they actually sink in, sink, in. sink their teeth in and go, is this real for you or not? Mm-hmm. Um, and those are a couple of good stories where people have experienced the realness of them. I just remember once again, Lewis and his grief observed saying, this is tough. Mm-hmm. I've written books and all of this stuff. I know the theory. Living it is a very different story. Living That's it true. out, being comforted by these things is a different thing than saying they are comforting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So maybe that's part of what, uh, what remembering or, or calling to mind those we love but see no longer, what that's, that's, that's all about. That when we, when we do that, we're sort of preparing ourselves or trying to prepare ourselves for the experience of the reality that actually, yeah, we're not just calling them to mind. They're actually still very much present with us. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, either mm. doing it as a bit of therapy or doing it mm-hmm. as a bit of actually living that reality of it. Mm-hmm. Two very different things, mm-hmm. but related. But related. Yeah, sort of like uh, sprinting down Calhoun Street yes. in preparation for a cross-country uh, track yes. meet. I would suggest uh, <laughs> working up your pacing a bit more slowly than I did earlier today. Um, I'm reminded of Kierkegaard on this uh, oh. in his Works of Love, ah. and he talks about how um, I can't remember the exact name of it, but he talks about how remembering our our dead loved ones. Um, is a great act of love, and one could say a great act of faith. Um, and I like the three ways he talks about it. Um, now, there's been disagreement with this. I, I preached this um, a bit, and I said his, his first thing is there's no possibility of repayment in loving a lost loved ones, that, the love, that the, those who are gone cannot love us back. And somebody really took me to task at the door on that. And I completely conceded that they're right, but I, I get what he's saying. We don't live with our lost loved ones in the sense that if I, if I love somebody in my life, there is the hope that that love is returned. Um, and to a certain extent, there's a great act of faithfulness and loving those whom we can see no longer because there's a very, well, there's a fleeting moments of repayment if there are any. Um, and so it's not transactional. It's not transactional, which at, at times love can very much be. He says, there's nothing to constrain us. Nobody is there compelling us or begging us to love them, either with a look or with words. And so in loving those whom we have lost, well, we're doing that quite freely. Hmm. So it's a great act of freedom um, to love those who have lost. And of course, it's a great act of faith. Um, um, Hmm. Great act of faith because we are loving those who can no longer change, which I think is actually a beautiful thing. They can change in our minds. Um, but how often have we said, well, they have changed. I haven't. Hmm. Um, and so, but what, but what, what I think actually in that act of loving those who have gone, I think it leads us down a path of loving those who are still alive mm-hmm. in deeper ways. Mm-hmm. Um, for all of those reasons, um, the freedom of love, the non-constraint of love, the faithfulness of love, of course, and not always having to live with love in the sense of, well, I better get paid back. Mm -hmm. Um, I can love without 
being repaid at times mm -hmm. as well. And maybe, just maybe, hmm. loving our lost loved ones will take us down a path of loving our people who are still alive and who we interact with on a daily basis in a more loving and a deep way as well. I was say, I like that. that. That idea that loving someone that has, has gone from us, you know, we, can't, we can't change them. Um, they can change us. Maybe. They might be able to change us, perhaps. But yeah. if, we, if we're still able to say we love them, in spite of the fact that they're removed from us, there, there's, if that kind of thing shapes how we approach other people, our love of others is not going to be a grasping thing. It's not going to be something that we're going to try to change who they are or how they are. It's just a simple act of the will that's, that's allows us to be a little bit more free. I like that. That's good. Okay. Who would have thought? Look up some Kierkegaard, folks. Kierkegaard. I Who mean, knew? I would, I would say, for most of us, um, the quick synopses of Kierkegaard, which I provide, is maybe less laborious than actual reading That's uh, Kierkegaard himself. <laughs> um, but it's been kind of nice pulling all of these different little bits together and bringing mm -hmm. them together um, in our reflections here um, and in thinking about this. Well, Robbie and I both definitely hope and pray that you have a very hopeful um, season as we approach All Saints and All Souls and, all souls. and, Veterans, and Day. Veterans Day and of course the end of the church year and as we build up to yes. a brand new church year this is a deep time of remembering and living with those whom we have lost. It's a time of year of course that historically cultures have always done it at this time of year because the days are drawing, drawing so short. Getting shorter. So short. Oh my gosh it was after 7 o'clock this morning and it was still dark out. I yep. was like come on I know we're falling back soon. <laughs> Um, but cultures have always done this at this time. As the days grow darker, as the darkness grows, we do our best to bring light into mm -hmm. it. And the light of those whom seem to be extinguished, we try to make them burn ever more brighter at this time. Mm -hmm. To light our way in the darkness. Absolutely. All so right. we wish you a blessed month of November. Um, blessed end saints, of ordinary time. Absolutely. All <laughs> saints, all souls, and all of those whom we love and see no longer. Thank you so much, and we will see you we'll again see soon. see you soon. Hello, it's me. I was wondering if after all these years you'd like to me to go over everything. They say the time's supposed to heal ya, but I ain't done much here. Hello, can you hear me? I'm in California dreaming about who we used to be when we were younger and free. I've forgotten how it felt before the world fell at our feet. There's such a difference between us and the many.